In today's topic, we'll be covering managing change from the internal business unit. Now, in previous years, we've covered the acronym of PESTEC, which stands for Political, Economical, Social, Technological, Environmental and Competition. And these are external factors that can impact the business both positively and negatively. For example, under political, we've got budgets available and funding for grants, licensing and permission to retail certain goods, changes in legislation such as the employment, health and safety and data management, quotas and terrorism. Now under economical, we've got inflation rates, recessions, exchange rate fluctuations and taxations. Under social, you can have fashion changes, increased number of cars, ageing population and more women in work. Under technological, you can have automation and robots, tablets and portable technologies like smartphones, an increase in e-commerce and social media. Under environmental, there's natural disasters, pressure to reduce carbon emissions and recycle more, extreme weather and pressure to use biofuels. Under competition, they've got joint ventures, rivals lowering their prices, launches of new products, develops new innovations, and mergers and acquisitions. Now, common barriers to change would be, for example, employees' fear of change. This could be because they're scared to lose their job, or there could be an increase in technology, which means it will be a more automated work, and they can't keep up with the technology and they can't use the machinery. Or old employees could feel pressured by young employees who have energy and a different approach to their work. Another barrier would be resource limitation to the change. For example, they might not have enough capital to change, or new investors that take the business in a different direction. Or the business will not be able to get a loan because of cash flow problems and they won't be able to repay. Another barrier would be uncertainty. Employees might fear the unknown and thus not want to change. Or weary that the change might backfire so they don't want to do it instead or there could be a resistance where there's not enough people in the workforce behind the change and so they can't drive the change daily this leads us to the topic of stages of change kurt lewin described the stages of change as a block of ice it has to unfreeze the old ways of doing things before it brings in the changes it wants once it's satisfied with the changes, then it must refreeze the organisation or part of the organisation affected by the change to ensure that the change stays in place. Now, the five stages of change would be preparation, which is similar to failed planning role. Employees and stakeholders should be consulted to ensure that everything has been thought through. The next stage would be unfreezing. Breaking down beliefs and assumptions that currently exist and opening up an acceptance of the need for change. Forces of resistance must be confronted here. Changing or transforming would be the next stage. And this is where the business implements the process of change required to achieve the desired outcome. Policies are changed, staff are briefed and the culture of the business is changed. Next would be refreezing. It's referred to as a new equilibrium state, stabilizing the organization in its new equilibrium state with new structures, culture and processes. Evaluation is the final stage and this is where we are checking the changes happening as planned and whether further adjustments need to be made. 
It is the role of the manager to adequately plan for change, to ensure that the business objectives are known and met, to ensure that the appropriate and timely feedback is gathered and analysed, and that those involved in the process are in receipt of the feedback. Within the preparation stage, they need to decide on the objectives for change, identify driving and restraining forces, and identify resources needed. During the unfreezing stage, they would have needed to involve employees in planning the change, reassure employees that management will support them through the change, and show the workforce how the change will benefit them. During the changing stage, they would need to treat mistakes as learning opportunities, if possible implement the change gradually, and be supportive, enthusiastic and positive throughout it all. During the refreezing stage, they need to remove opportunities to go back to the old way of doing things, offer positive affirmation for continuing to do things in the new way, and give employees opportunities to practice the new working practices. During the evaluation stage, they will need to analyse the new situation and identify what further changes are needed, and make minor adjustments to plans if necessary. Make sure those involved receive regular feedback on the results of the change as well. Now we move on to the forces for and against change. Now, some examples would be external factors that are forces for change would be public opinions, competition, changes in the PESTEC factors and new management techniques. Internal factors for this would be new management, a lack of finance, new production processes and profits higher than expected. The forces resisting change in the external factors would be the lack of availability of finance, PESTEC factors competition and public opinion, whilst forces resisting change in the internal factors would be inertia, a lack of trust, a lack of finance and fear of the unknown. Kurt Lewin also developed a force field analysis, which summarises the factors that will help or hinder the introduction of a particular change. The force field diagram can be used to decide whether to go ahead with changes and increase changes of success as it shows strengthening forces supporting change and weakening forces against it. Within the diagram, we have subheadings of the drivers, which are factors that are favourable to changes. For example, strong and charismatic leaders, increased competition, commitment from the workforce and marketing opportunities. Resistors are factors that resist change, which is fear of change, the unknown, loss of status, existing organisational culture and lack of resources. An equilibrium is the current position that the business is in and is usually shown as a vertical line dividing drivers and resistors. Assets to change are organisational strengths that will help a firm when it tries to change, but do not cause it to change. For example, a strong corporate culture and experienced management teams. Now, arrows of different lengths are used to show the strengths of the different forces and they point inwards towards the equilibrium. To get to the desired situation, you need to strengthen the driving forces or weaken the restraining ones. Now, for the marking scheme of this type of question, it will be a total of eight marks for the force field diagram. One mark will be for two drivers. Another mark will be for two resistors a mark for an acid of change, and a mark for differing arrows and headings.
The hours should be different lengths, as it will show the different levels of influence each point will have on the business. You are also awarded one mark for each valid analysis point you write afterwards, and you will be awarded up to a maximum of four marks for analysis based on your drivers, resistors, or asset of change. There are costs and benefits of using a force field analysis, with the advantages being that it summarizes the forces for and against change and allows the firms to gather information. A firm can identify constraints and take action in advance to reduce them, and identifying drivers and resistors allows the firm to amend its strategies. Giving each force a weighting helps the firm evaluate strategic factors that must be in place. Disadvantages would be the relative strengths of the factors may be overestimated or underestimated. Drivers and resistors may change in importance or disappear over time, and managers may ignore factors not identified in the force field analysis. There are many approaches to managing change, one of them being action-centred, where the change is made by running through a list of potential solutions to a problem until the best one is identified. Advantages of this would be allows the business to try out possible solutions on a small scale for a limited time before making a permanent change. It explores many different options and therefore contingency strategies are often formed and it allows employees to have an input and pilot aspects of change which leads to better decisions being made. Disadvantages of this, though, would be that method does not work when the change is being driven by an external factor, such as a change in government legislation. Piloting ideas can be a lengthy and expensive process, and it's often used as part of a continuous improvement and may not be suitable for large changes. Another approach would be piecemeal, and it is change that is brought in gradually through a series of small altercations. Advantages of this would be that employees become accustomed to the change as it is gradually introduced which can build confidence for the future. Smaller changes are less likely to result in staff resistance and gradual change is easier to manage and control so it reduces risk. Disadvantages of this though is that a sense of overall direction may be lost as the change is bitty. The smaller components of the change may be in conflict with each other and these centralised changes may not be fairly rolled out across the firm, upsetting staff in different departments. Another approach would be top-down, where those at the top of the organisation make decisions about change and impose them. Advantages of this would be that top-level management have a holistic overview so they can make the changes in line with the business objectives. This method works best in a crisis as decision-making time is short and the survival of the business may be at risk. If a change is inevitable, this is an efficient method of implementation. This is especially true when the main drive to change is an external factor, such as a political or economic decision made by government. Disadvantages of this, though, would be that staff resistance can be high if they feel they are being overlooked, undervalued or not listened to. Employees working on the ground have the skills, knowledge and experience, but this method does not take these views into account. And this may result in high levels of staff turnover or absenteeism if motivation is low. In turn, this may create a culture of low morale. Negotiated is another approach 
which is the changes are the result of a bargaining process between managers and employees and is often represented by trade union representatives. Another similar approach would be the participative one, where employees are invited to contribute to decisions about change and their change incorporates their ideas. Advantages of both of these approaches would be that the change is more likely to be successful as everyone has been involved. This fosters trust between management and employees and it reduces staff resistance and improves morale. It allows for staff skills, knowledge and experience to contribute to the strategy in the hope for a more effective and competitive change. The disadvantages would be that these methods are time-consuming as they involve lengthy discussions and consolation through the use of focus groups and quality circles. Trust can be easily damaged if even management retract the empowerment or employees abuse it and not effective in a situation of urgency or crisis or where there is an unnegotiable outcome as too many people need to be consulted and they all might have differing views. Lastly is change agents. Now change agents are the people responsible for bringing about change. They could be individuals, groups of employees, external experts or combination of the above. Change agents can have line manager responsibility for groups of employees Change agents can be given a budget that is used to eliminate some of the resistance to change as well. Internal change agents, whilst they may not have managed large-scale change in the past, will at least be familiar with the organisational policies and hierarchy. External change agents are more likely to have expertise in dealing with a variety of situations, but will take time to get to know the organisation and are expensive. And this now concludes the managing change topic for the internal business unit.